Hello and a very warm welcome back to Real Estate 2020 Vision, the podcast that brings you the people and the products shaping the future of residential real estate. My name is Guy Westlake and I'm founder of Lavanda, the world's leading flexible rental software globally for multifamily, student accommodation and service department assets. If you're interested in finding out more about what we do, then please just visit www.getlavanda.com. So, season two, episode two. Today we're very privileged to have on the show a man who knows an awful lot about a subject that's very, very close to my heart, flexible living. John Slavitt is CEO of Central, the US business backed by Iconic Capital, building the world's largest flexible living community. John, a very, very warm welcome to Real Estate 2020 Vision. Well, thanks for having me, Guy. Great to be with you. In the evening in the UK, covering continents and time zones. I like that. Okay, so we're going to start right at the very beginning, John. Why don't you introduce us to Central and tell us a little bit about your vision for the business? Well, our vision at Central is to redefine home. And I'm going to come back to giving you a bit more detail of what we feel it means to redefine home. But our vision is big, and it's really centered in the notion of being at home wherever you go. And in the process, our goal is to build a global network of flexible and connected communities where you always feel like you're coming home. There's a strategy that underlies that in terms of how we deliver on that, but 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 that's the vision. I mean, in the process, we also seek to create a tremendously valuable business. This asset class of apartment buildings, we happen to focus on class A, is massive. It's sleepy and it's ripe for change, which is happening across a number of vectors um, in terms of technology, as you know, in terms of how these assets are used, in terms of how humans are living, working, and traveling in them. But that's our vision, is to redefine home, create the largest, most flexible and connected network of these kinds of communities. It's just so exciting how you and the team have identified this huge underserved gap in the market for a more flexible home and created this new product, which is you know makes so much sense, which is a home that can be yours for a day, a week, a month, or a year in line with whatever you know requirement you have. It's a place where you can live, where you can work from, where you can travel to and stay at for short periods of time. It's a proposition that starts and ends with the needs of the customer, which is why I feel so passionately about it and why I believe in it so deeply. In fact, it's straight from our own Lavanda playbook. Now, John, you've mentioned that Central is all about redefining home. I'd love to know exactly what home means to you and maybe you know how that concept of home has changed over the course of the last two years of the pandemic. Well, we like to say home is when you belong as opposed to where. So it's, it's, it's a sense of place, but it's not necessarily one place. Our customer is someone who calls their apartment home their home base, but they want the freedom to travel and to visit lots of other like communities that give them the same feeling. So we can talk more about the market and how we view it. We don't cater ostensibly to digital nomads, although we have many of them. We're catering to mostly millennials who want an anchor in a community that feels connected. And when they travel, they're avoiding high volume hotels. They want something more authentic and they want something akin to the place they call home most of the time. But yes, to answer your your other question, these trends that were percolating pre-COVID around how this demographic is living and traveling and working, those have obviously crystallized and accelerated. So what we see with our customer base is that the majority of them are working the majority of the time from the community. So what does that mean? They're back traveling now. We've had tremendous visits from one community to another within our network. And of course, in the winter, what you see is people coming from Denver and Chicago and going to places like Austin, Miami. No surprise, from the cold to the warm. 
So we're, we're seeing that. And it's great to see them using the central network, being welcomed in an away community. But yes, living, travel, and work will never be the same. And we're catering to that. John, we're going to leave Central for a minute and come back to it. But I'd like to turn our attention now to, to your career. What's been the career path that's led you up to this point of becoming the CEO of Central? Well, I'm the product of an artist, sculptor, painter, mother, and a corporate lawyer father. So that could go either a really good way or a really bad way. <laughs> In the sense that two conflicting you know, left and right brain influences. I think it's been a good thing for me, the sense that my mother's key commentary about living is do what you love and the money will follow. My mother's more of a renegade. My dad is, you know, a son of immigrants, first to go to college, paid his way through Harvard. So those are my two founding influences. You know, I spent um, 10 years in media, and then I spent a bunch of time starting companies. I started two, one of them failed, and one of them succeeded, got acquired by a public company, ultimately. And that led me through relationships to receive a call from the executive recruiter building the WeWork executive team. And she said, would you like to go to New York and meet with the founders? And I did. And that led me to this hybrid of hospitality, real estate, and technology that started six years ago. And that's where I've been since. I love design. I love businesses at important formative stages where the clay is soft. We can mold it. I love bringing people together around that kind of vision and getting out there and doing it, experimenting, perfecting. The one other influence I would mention is my uncle, Jerry, my dad's younger brother, who's a real estate developer. And the funny thing is that from a very young age, he tried to get me into the business and I declined. I refused. And he would say to me, you know, you're doing these technology businesses like everyone else, John, in, in Northern California. You should really uh, get into real estate. It's just a great business. You'll love it. And he would tell me that real estate development was just like a startup. Concept, capital, execution, selling often before you actually have the thing, <laughs> which is very much what startups are about through a lot of their life cycle, whether you're raising capital or you know, recruiting people to the team. So that's how I got where I am. And uh, the invitation into Central was from a longtime friend and colleague, Jaja Jackson, who was a, a multifamily developer and operator and then spent time at Airbnb to help launch their real estate team with Chip Conley. And uh, he and the, the guys at Iconic Capital had the thesis for this business. They just needed someone to come in on the operating side. So presumably you worked very closely with Adam Newman, you know, the founder of WeWork, and everyone's heard stories of his infamous, you know, passion, charisma, energy. You know, he's had his ups and downs, obviously, but whatever way you look at it, he's been hugely successful. Would love to hear what that experience was like. Yes. Yeah, so I, I worked closely with, with Adam and Miguel and a lot of the early leaders at WeWork. I had a very positive experience overall. Adam and the team were very fair with me. Um, very positive journey. I think that you know there are really positive lessons and there are cautionary lessons from the experience. I think the positives are rock solid conviction in an idea, bringing tremendous energy to it, bringing people who are like minded to the mission, being relentless about what needs to be done, and being mindful that it has to be more than dollars and cents and just sort of the doing. 
if you can explain to people what the larger purpose is, what the growth path is, both personally and professionally, it creates a sense of belonging and inspiration that is special. First of all, congratulations on a really exciting and successful career so far. But of course, it's now crowned by your leadership of Central, a business which really looks set to you know, be very, very successful indeed, given where the market is headed and the trends we're seeing in terms of demand. So huge congratulations to you and of course to Jar Jar and Iconic for shaping that product and proposition and developing it into the business that it is today. I think I'm right in saying that the business only actually launched in July of last year. So right in the thick of the pandemic, I'd love to know what that was actually like and whether that was you know, the plan or whether, in fact, you just thought, do you know what? There's no good time to launch. We've done all the work. Let's just throw it out there and see what happens. I guess the question is, to what extent did COVID mess around with your launch plans and how did you manage that? We did launch and we've launched on the timeline that we expected. So you're right. We stuck to our timeline. We stuck to our guns because... We believe in this change in the market and what the consumer wants and flexible living. I think the way that COVID has changed us is how we staff a community and how we interact with the customer around sort of a virtual interaction versus in-person interaction, how we think about shaping the service offering. So those kinds of things. But no, we, we, we launched uh, July 19 of, of 2021, the central brand launched. July was the the target launch month. We didn't back off of that. I had inputs that we should delay it from various camps, but we we launched. And the other thing that heartened us is that we had some pretty good data from our early tests of this model that our customer wanted it, was willing to pay a premium for it. So it wasn't that we launched without data. We had data. But there's never a great time to launch. If you give yourself more time, you will always fill it with more to-dos and more talk. And of course, time just increases risk factors. So another good reason why not to delay unnecessarily. You know, the longer you wait, more bad things can happen. Anyway, let's talk for a minute about the investors that have backed Central on this journey, because you really do have a who's who lineup of real estate investors behind the business. Firstly, you've got, of course, Iconic Capital, who've acquired half a billion dollars worth of assets for you to manage. Correct. Alongside them, you've then got Bazuto Homes, you know, the leading multifamily player. You've also got Highgate Hotels. So you're bringing together real estate and hospitality experience. Who am I missing? So our prime investor partners are Iconic Capital, Highgate Hotels, Bazuto Homes, and Ascendant Capital, which is a real estate private equity firm out of Los Angeles. So we actually have two separate entities that have a, a really close handshake. We have a property acquisition vehicle that is overseen by Iconic Capital, completely separate entity. They are buying class A, generally new multifamily assets, best walk scores, best neighborhoods, well amenitized. And that's what they do. And they've acquired over a billion and a half of real estate, 11 assets, eight cities, and they will continue acquiring. Central is a prop tech operator, completely separate entity, its own investor base, its own team. We number about 200 people now growing quickly. Central has an exclusive relationship with each asset as the operator. So we sign a property management agreement with each asset, which is you know traditional. The difference is that the way that Central makes money and the reason that we're going to be the best partner for any owner, whether it's iconic or lots of third-party owners, because we're about to expand pretty significantly in the next couple of years to work with lots of owners. The reason we're the best partner for owners is we're the only proven model in the market right now that manages any length of stay from a night to a quarter to a year, the whole experience. 
And we're going to raise the top line, depending on the regulatory and the lengths of stay that we can do, we're going to raise the top line between 20 to 25% revenue of the asset. And our goal is to increase the owner NOI in the high single digits after we take our piece of the upside. This is what we're doing for the iconic portfolio. So we're on track exiting 2022 with these assets stabilized with our model implemented to dramatically increase the owner NOI. So we are an alternative to a traditional old school, non-innovative PM. But what we do is we apply our model, our technology, any length of stay. You know, it's, it's our team wearing our logo that is of service to you, welcoming like you're coming home in each asset. So that consistency. And we're just adding more and more assets to the network. Uh, but we produce significant income for Central, annual recurring income on every asset from lifting that upside. So two separate entities, two separate capitalizations. Central is the prop tech platform that we apply to the asset and we're perfecting it on these owned assets. They're kind of like our training wheels, but the future is hundreds of locations around the world with lots of owners. So does Central take the whole building and manage the whole asset under the Central brand or does it just manage a couple of floors, like for example, a Sonda or a Casa or one of these other short-term rental operators? We take the whole. And the reason we do is that it's the best proposition for the owner. It's the best proposition for the customer. So the owner, owners have learned a lot about master leasing to different operators, uh, about the different players in the space. There are many now, which is good. It's, we like that. I mean, it dignifies the space. It means that it's an active space that's worth investing in. The challenge for owners is they've done a lot of experimentation and they've had a lot of challenges and failures. And they're gun shy. So you master lease, you know, 50 to 100 units and a three to 500 unit asset. You have a transient business. You have unhappy residents. You have conflicting use of common spaces and amenities. You have access control issues. It's it's a mess for some. So we learned how to how to conduct those pieces in an elegant way. Our team on site is cross trained in every length of stay. And we give them the tools to manage every length of stay. It's our access control, our IoT, but you know, it's, it's, it's our experience. It's our activation on the roof, you name it. So no, we take the whole thing and we are an alternative to a hodgepodge solution for an owner. And we're an alternative to the old line PM. Just to be really clear, you take the whole building for sure, but do you do that always on a management contract or do you sometimes, you know, master lease? We don't do any leases. We have no lease liabilities on Central's balance sheet. I don't want it. I'm not interested in that. That's one of the cautionary tales of WeWork, obviously. Now, WeWork has shifted its business model dramatically, but they're still mostly leases because when you start that way in 2010 and it's 12 years later, it's hard to shift. You know, I could speak to a number of the other players in the space. I know them very well and they're... 95% leases. Now, some of them are trying to change that. You have to shift your systems. And then if you're a class A owner and you've got a great asset, you look at one of these partners and you've got to think, well, are interests aligned? And what proof do they have that they can manage the whole asset? uh, And for that matter, what proof can they bring that they can you know, lift NOI for the owner? We have a cohort of 11 amazing assets in eight US cities where we can point to the data and we can introduce any owner to Iconic. And Iconic, one of the most active acquirers in the US of class A multifamily assets can say, this is what Central is doing for us. This is what Central does for us. So we think we have a great case. And I'm on the phone with two or three owners a week 
And, and those are a lot of follow-up meetings because we focused on a small, really blue chip group of entrepreneurial institutional owners that want to roll this out with us. And great reception. Super interesting. Thank you. I guess the question that obviously poses is then, what's your secret sauce with regards to acquiring guests, right? And maximizing the occupancy of those buildings so that you deliver to the expectations of your landlords. You know, I guess, what's your strategy to the extent, obviously, that you're willing to share it? Sure. Well, there's no rocket science. And, and what I mean by that is that it's it's multiple levers and it's a lot of trial and error. So what we do is we take on an asset and we're going to furnish between 20 to 60% of the asset. It really depends on the market, the lender covenants, the owner appetite, the capital investment we want to make with the owner, all that. So an average of call it 30 to 40%, that's our flexible furnished inventory. And we're going to welcome a customer for a stay. Our average stay is between a three days for a very short stay and about 60 to 70 days for a flexible living stay. That's the sweet spot. We're getting 25% of all of our bookings direct on central.com, which is amazing that we launched seven months ago. We're getting 25% of the business direct. So we've done a good job promoting the site, active in social media, social channels. We've done some press. So we quarter of all of the business for that hospitality length of stay is coming direct. We don't have to pay for it. Wow, that's that's quite incredible. You mean you're not spending any money on digital acquisition, so Google AdWords or anything like that? Oh no, I'm saying we do, we do, we do market, but it's really it's really sort of earned media on that front, right? Now, the 75% that we have to acquire, we do pay for. And, you know, you're going to look at a cost of acquisition of probably 8 to 10%. And, you know, you've got to play with credit card fees, right? So, and we're active in all the channels. We're active in the OTAs. We're active, obviously, in the ILSs. We're active in any place where someone would look for a flexible length of stay. And remember, Guy, 70% of our average asset is someone on a one-year lease. 30% is someone on a flexible term. So we're acquiring the whole, the whole length of stay. And I can tell you also that, that about 20% of our business on the books this year is corporate. So between central.com and corporate, it's half of the business. We have a 15-person, a actually probably closer to 20 now, person dedicated revenue and sales team. So we, we we're building significant capability to work with companies uh, whether they're companies that help companies find the place to live when they're new in the city or relowing. So it's, it's a multi-pronged effort. And the, the key really is layering the business because you don't want to be solely responsible for, uh, for a retail customer to, to be all of your revenue. You want a mix of corporate business. You want a mix of retail business and multiple channels. So we've built the capability. Our head of revenue and sales was a key leader in that in that uh, uh, area at Highgate Hotels. Um, our head of marketing was a key leader at Highgate Hotels, ran marketing there. Uh, and they've complemented themselves with experts from multifamily and other aspects of the business to make sure we understand how to acquire a customer from a night to a year. I've got to say hats off to you and the team because you've done an amazing job of going from nothing to something. And I've got some experience of just how hard that step is. Um, not only have you got a great business today or what looks like a very promising business, but you've managed to engage a really great team around that. So well done. We've already mentioned that Central you know, launched last year in July. I've got to ask how long in the making was the business prior to that launch? Because you've already got a team of 200, which is some scale up. Right. And that's between our teams that work on site and, and the corporate team, just under 200 total now and, and, and growing. So the central entity was founded in January of 2020. 
And I came on board January 14 of 2020, um, which was actually my anniversary of when I started WeWork years before, same day, which is ironic. And uh, we've been you know, growing this thing the last two years. I was living part-time in Denver. We're dual headquartered Denver and San Francisco. And uh, I was living at our first asset, which was then called Union Denver, uh, right next to the downtown train station in Denver, amazing location. I was living there part-time to test the asset and test the experience. And then COVID hit in March of 2020. And we went into a different mode, but we're two years old. So with a dual HQ in Denver, Colorado and San Francisco, I wonder how you go about structuring your senior team, John. You know, how many direct reports do you have, for example? And the second part of the question is, as CEO of a business which is super hungry for growth, right, it's a startup, how do you go about managing your own time and energy levels and, you know, mental health and well-being, which is so important these days, as the stress of building a business invariably takes its toll? That's a great question. You asked a bunch of good questions wrapped in a bow. I'll try, I'll try to take them, Guy. So I have eight direct reports and they are dispersed. I have several in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. We have several in the New York area and in between uh, Chicago. So we're covering a bunch of the major cities in the US and we have fully adjusted to a hybrid environment. We do not dictate time in the office. I don't think any modern company that wants to attract the kind of team that that we do can mandate X days in the office. We do provide touchdown space. We have that in Denver, we have it in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we build meetings and rituals around getting people together. So for instance, my executive team meets in person one whole day and night every month in one of our key cities. So next week I'm in Miami uh, on Thursday and Thursday we get together. We have a standard agenda. We talk about our OKRs, how we're tracking. We do some a form of team building. Um, I have a longtime executive coach named Dr. James McCleary, who is a part of those sessions. And he actually coaches asymmetrically across my whole executive team. Uh, they each of them meets with him once a month, at least. So we're going to get together as a team. We're going to, we're going to build team dynamic. And then we're going to have open discussion about what's most pressing now for our team, for the customer. Then we're going to have dinner together. We do that every month in person. And then we have a series of rituals, Guy, of all company meetings. We do every two weeks. We have a Zoom all company meeting. The first one is really about how are we feeling? It's about recognizing people. It's about creative things that people are doing in the business. It's about celebration. And then the next two-week all-company meeting is OKRs. It's how are we tracking? How are we doing economically? What are the key initiatives? And we do both those. And then we have lots of other rituals that you know you wrap around that to make people feel connected. And having said that, it's still hard. With regards to your leadership team and meeting once monthly, which by the way, I think is a great idea, I bet the energy levels at those meetings are just so high because people are working flexibly, they're working remotely. They really kind of look forward to that kind of opportunity to interact with one another. So whilst the kind of frequency of the meetings may be less, right, the quality of those meetings and the energy levels at the meetings are just so high. I've actually just come back from a two-day offsite, frankly, a very similar format to yours. And, you know, met people for the first time, others haven't seen for a while. And, you know, everyone was looking forward to seeing each other, being in the room together, working through the agenda and getting stuff done. And it was just a really energizing experience. I miss it. I'm more of a kneecap to kneecap person. 
And the other thing I do is I'm regularly out in our communities, which our executive team is too. So, you know, when you go into a market, sometimes you want to shop a competitor and book it and stay and see what it's like. And sometimes you want to do that to your own, your own service, right? Your own product. So getting out there and understanding what's going on on the front line of the business, uh, connecting with people, it's, it gives me a ton of energy and I miss not doing more of it and having more of it. So who are the companies that you see as your competitors? Well, I'm not sure that I would narrow to a few companies that I would that I would call competitors. The space is very new. I think it's more companies that are doing things in the space that are related. I'm not sure we're taking customers away from each other at this point. <laughs> it's such a new, huge market. Um, and I think it's very young. I don't think there's any brand yet. The companies that are doing things that are related, obviously, you mentioned Sonder. You know, Sonder is a hotel alternative. We're about redefining home. I don't see ourselves as competitive. You've got a few players that are that are leasing units and turning them into flexible month-to-month stays, like Landing, Blue Ground, those kinds of players. You know, we see them out in the market. Then I would say that there are technology players that are building simpler ways for owners and multifamily renters to consume the service or run the building. And you know, we're also building technology that we think is going to be very valuable. And some of those are partners, uh, and some I suppose could be competitors. But those are organizations like Alfred and Lively, and, and and some of the groups that are organizing on-demand services, experiences, and you know, creating APIs out from all of the myriad of software that you that, that we're using to run these buildings and organizing it in a more simple way, right, for the operator or the consumer. So there's tons of players in the space, and the reality is. If you look at any space that's emerging, my brother is a a very successful venture investor with one of the firms that's probably in the top five in venture returns history. In their portfolio, if you invest a billion dollars in ultimately about 50 companies, that's a cohort, right, for a billion dollar fund, 40 out of 50 go away. 10 are worth more than 100 million and a couple are worth more than a billion. And so in this market, most will go away. Most will run out of capital, won't have product market fit. And that's just the, the survival of the fittest nature of any market. So I think it's very early. I don't really know who our competitors are yet. I, I know that there's you know, a couple billion that's gone into the space. There'll be more. You know, we're going to be capitalizing in a very big way. And I think that some of these companies that are doing good things could be a part of our vision, whether they've got interesting technology, a team, or some distribution. So, you know, that'll probably happen in the next one to two years too. some consolidation. There's a very definite ecosystem building up around flexible living. You know, you've got the people who are investing in the assets, you've got the management companies, you've got technology providers, you've got distribution partners, right? And everyone's kind of fumbling in the dark, some more so or less so than others, trying to see what works, right? And what the right strategy to pursue is in this really exciting market. Let's talk about Central's strategy with regards to technology. I mean, if you take the classic multifamily stack, there's already so much to it, right, in terms of just traditional property and facilities management. And then you layer on top of that hospitality, flexibility, you know, value-added services for residents, IoT, remote access, you know, all of these little point solutions and, and actually some of them quite broad and complex management systems. Is your strategy to take what's existing, you know, in the market off the shelf and try it, test it, choose what's best for your business and license that? 
Or is your vision to bring all of this in-house and build your own tech stack, you know, a custom build? It's more of the former than the latter, but it's about how you integrate with, get data out of these various services, pull it into a data store, a data lake, as you might be described, to have it available real time or as close to real time as you can, and then pull it into an interface that makes it really easy to consume for the customer or for the GM running the building. So it's really more the former in terms of your two analogies of how we're approaching it. We're not interested in rewriting Entrada or Yardi. We're not interested in rewriting Stay in Touch or Opera, uh, pick the different software. We're not interested in rewriting, you know, pick, pick the list of software. But we are interested in having as close to real-time access to that data for a number of purposes. One of them is uh, having access to that data so that we can quickly and intelligently price a stay to a consumer. That's a huge use. Uh, another, another use is so that the GM running the community can effectively understand who's in the house in her community, understand their aspirations and their issues and serve them really well on a daily basis. So we're setting up to do that. So it's really about getting our arms around the technology being interoperable with it, but putting a really beautiful, fast, simple, compelling front end on it. And that's never been done effectively for any length of stay. I'm well aware of just how much that's lacking. And in fact, I would flag that, you know, the bold vision of like surfacing data from multiple third-party tools into a beautiful dashboard um, is indeed a wonderful vision and product in itself. But I have to say the reality of stitching together multiple third-party systems and actually getting real-time data from them into the dashboard is not going to be without its difficulties because many of these third-party tools are just not built to serve up data in real-time to external systems, right? Um, so I wish you well on that journey. Let's talk for a second about your international aspirations for the business. You're currently in seven gateway cities across the US. Is there a global rollout on the cards at all? So we're in eight cities in the U.S. Nashville is the next this month. So just, just opening Nashville. It's a great new asset in the Sobro neighborhood, which is you know, just off Broadway where all the action is in Nashville, which is an awesome city. I think we'll have uh, triple the number of communities under agreement by the end of this year than we have now. They won't all be open, but we'll have them under agreement. So I think we're, we're going to be growing dramatically in the U.S., Within the next two to three years, I think we'll be in every NFL city in the U.S., with a couple exceptions, uh, and some of those important secondary cities uh, that have um, you know, a demand for our product and, and demand for flexible living and different lengths of stay. We're now thinking about the, the 10 key cities internationally where we want to be, and over the next four to five-year horizon, we'll be in all of those key cities. This phenomenon is global. It's not just a North American phenomenon. Uh, this demographic is global. And you know, we intend to be the global leader in our, in our space in terms of redefining home. What advice do you have, John, for people who are listening to this podcast, would-be entrepreneurs who are super excited about what you're talking about and thinking, I have to build a business in this space. They might be looking at it through a real estate lens. They might be looking at it through a tech lens. Okay. But now you've got operating experience under your belt, surely there are some gaps that you see in the market, areas that are poorly served, areas of opportunity. Because I just believe so many people will be looking at this thinking, this is a great place to be. I need to get in. Well, I think it is a great place to be. I mean, it's the world's largest asset class, real estate, dwarfs the equity markets, the debt markets. So more wealthy people in real estate than any other industry. That doesn't mean they're happy. <laughs> 
you know, money doesn't equal happiness, but I think if you're looking to do something innovative, real estate's a great place. And I would encourage it wholeheartedly for anyone who's passionate. I mean, what are the areas? I'll, not in order of importance, I'll throw out a few areas and then maybe a bit of advice from, this is now my third startup. And I hope it's my second very successful one because I've had failure. I think the first is your pricing engines and pricing models. There's the endemic software that is used in the hotel business. And there's the endemic software that's used in the multifamily business. There's not a dominant, truly effective player yet that helps you toggle for any length of stay from a pricing perspective. I think we're still all figuring that out. Now, there are a couple startups that are tackling aspects of that. Wheelhouse is one of them. Andrew Kitchell, who started Lyric, that, that unfortunately closed doors, was you know young competitor Sonder. Wheelhouse looks like they're on the way to solving some of that. But you know this, this, this few month length of stay and how to price that, that's a big opportunity. So pricing, revenue management, a system platform for this next generation of any length of stay, massive opportunity on its own. I, I think secondly is what we just talked about, which is uh, we're calling it central OS, which is how do you knit together the systems and the data to dashboard it for the GM running one of these communities? Massive opportunity. That's a multi-billion dollar company on its own, honestly. It becomes kind of like the sales force of, of multifamily buildings in a way. You can put, plug any system into it. That's a big opportunity. I think the future of, of work from home and interconnected work and hybrid work is a massive opportunity. There are obviously startups that are attacking this. One of my former WeWork colleagues, Joel Steinhaus, just started a business called Daybase. And it's a, it's a network of retail, ground level retail locations in exurbs, like suburbs outside of New York, where all the employees live. They don't want to go, they don't want to go on the Metro North train in Manhattan anymore. They want to drive a mile or walk to a co-working space. So Joel's doing that. And I think they're going to be hugely successful. And so, you know, what does that mean inside multifamily buildings? What are the solutions? What are the technologies for making millennials who tend to live in apartment buildings? And there are some extras and boomers too in our buildings, but how do we make them really successful, really connected? I really like the Kobu app. Which, which we use, um, we've had 60 to 80% take rates on our customers using Kobu, getting to know each other, uh, doing commerce with each other, organizing events with each other. I think that creating community connectivity within, within multifamily buildings is a big opportunity. The question there, of course, is how you monetize it. I think that's harder. The monetization model is that the operator pays for it and offers as a service. So those are the big things right now that I see in terms of opportunity. Super interesting. Thank you. And there's one other thing actually I'd like to throw into that mix, which is the not so little topic of ESG and whether ESG is something that keeps you awake at night. I mean, it's such a huge and pressing topic for the industry as a whole, yet it's so poorly defined. To what extent is central solving for ESG as you build the business? I think it's highly relevant. What I would say, though, guys, that with the very early stages now that we've launched the platform of figuring out what does it mean for us? Remember the, the majority of energy use and the, and, and the way that energy use happens in these buildings is really the owner's purview. So our, our role and goal is to influence the owner around those things. 
right? And, and so whether it's smart monitoring of energy utilities, et cetera, to give information to the resident on how to be more efficient, right? That's something that we can do. But we didn't build the building. And it's either leads or it's not. And it's you know, either gold or platinum or it's not. Uh, I'm thankful we actually have a couple of buildings that are LEED certified. And so they're much more energy efficient uh, and sustainable. But it's, you know, it's a working partnership between the platform central and the owner. Um, I'm excited to say that we're partnering with numerous owners who have projects that are very, very forward thinking and much more neutral in terms of use of resource. But it, it's, a, you know, it's a work in progress. Listen, John, we're going to wrap up now. You've been so generous with your time. I'm going to finish by asking you three quick fire questions. The first one is, is there one piece of advice which you've received, which you continue to apply in your professional career and continues to guide you in life? Yeah, I'll quote my mother again. Do what you love and the money will follow. Well, that was an easy one. <laughs> Second question. If you had to choose an alternative career, what would it be? I would have been a, uh, a producer... Uh, uh, creator anchor in the news and media business. Sadly, we don't have time to go deeper into that, but very interesting indeed. Thank you. The final question is, if you could invite anybody in the world onto this show to hear their 2020 vision, who would it be and why? Well, I'll tell you, you know, there's someone who he'd be very difficult to get on your show, the legendary venture investor, Peter Thiel, you know, who wrote Zero to One. Now, what, what fascinates me about him is how such an in obviously intelligent, entrepreneurial, productive individual could foment conspiracy theories uh, about government and about elections, uh, uh, regardless of what your politics are. Right, because I've got family that are conservative Republicans, and I have family who are liberal Democrats. I find myself in between. I just don't understand what got into his brain, and I'd like to hear more about that. Well, that sounds very fair. For what it's worth, I don't think we'll get him on the show either, but he'd certainly be a great guest to have. Peter, if you're listening to this, call me. John Slavet, CEO of Central, a company that is redefining home and clearly a leading light in this rapidly evolving world of flexible living. Thank you so much for sharing with us your 2020 vision. Thank you so much. Real Estate 2020 Vision was brought to you by Lavanda, the world's leading flexible rental software. Find out more at www.getlavanda.com. For more information about Central, just visit central.com or follow at Central Life. Yeah.